And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The race is on and the epic fight for the 2021 Formula 1 World Championship will finally be decided in this weekend's Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. But will it be Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton who prevails? And what are the chances of it all ending in controversy, given how fractious the battle between them has been this year? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to get excited about the most thrilling F1 title showdown in years are Scott Mitchell and Mark Hughes. Scott, how excited are you? You look thrilled. Yeah, no, I am. I am. I'm, uh, I, I can't wait for it to get started. We're going to have to get through. I have to wade through a little bit of noise uh, before we get to the stuff that really matters, uh, not just this podcast. Um but the fact that Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are going to be appearing alongside one another as the conclusion to Thursday's FIA press conferences. So I, I feel like this is going to be nicely amped up. It's going to be overplayed. We're all going to be sick of it by the end of the weekend. And it starts here with this podcast. Mark Hughes, you're the only one of us who was actually uh, on this planet the last time the points lead was tied heading into a season finale back in 1974. So as our as our elder statesman, even more exciting than that one, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. And um, although I was aware of it um, while riding around on my rally chopper, um, uh, the, the rest of the world, it, it, by and large, wasn't. You know, Formula One was a, a minority interest sport then and, and wasn't even on TV apart from the odd uh, snippet or the British Grand Prix, maybe a little bit of Monaco. So, yeah, um, a completely different scale of interest this time around to when uh, Emerson Fittipaldi and Claire Regazzoni went to uh, Watkins Glen to fight it out. It's amazing. Like, the, the, the scale of interest in this is just is just ridiculous. Like, I, I know we've got, like, a few different mediums in which people can engage in the stuff that we do, but you see it across whether it's people like to read stuff on the website or or listen to this podcast or watch the stuff we do on YouTube. Like 
the numbers that I've seen this year in terms of how much people care like blows my mind. It's it's so cool that this it's just captured so many people's attention. Hopefully we've done it justice over the course of the year. I guess everyone keeps coming back so they can't entirely hate what we do, but it's just awesome, isn't it? After the last few years where we've had just sort of almost been like having to try and overreach to get interesting stories and make people understand why things are really cool. You don't have to try very hard to understand why this season's cool. It's just absolutely mega. Yeah, it's brilliant. Winner takes it all. I can remember right back at the start of the season after Bahrain, I think, saying, I just hope it goes the distance. And it's gone the distance and then some. A winner takes all finale is the thing that, that you dream of. It's so rare, not just to have a decider, but one where it's two drivers level on points. Whoever finishes ahead, assuming they finish, is going to be champion. And that's just the perfect sporting battle, especially when it's two great drivers because people say Verstappen hasn't won titles he's not established himself as a great yet he will he will go down as one of the greats this is two equals opposite ends of their careers absolutely gripping stuff but let's start off with a a simple question perhaps one with a very difficult answer Scott Max Verstappen Lewis Hamilton level on points who is the favourite heading into this weekend okay no I was really worried with the way you framed that question I thought you were going to ask me who's going to win I was just I can't answer that Uh, who's the favourite well I'm not sure I can answer that either. I mean, I I, I believe in form and, and momentum. And so in, in that sense, I think Lewis has to be the favourite. But Max has been so resiliently brilliant all season. D- the level of consistency from the guy has been absolutely outstanding. At his peak, he's so incredibly fast. I said on this podcast a few days ago, I, I do think one of the conclusions from this season is that all things equal, I think Max might be fractionally faster but Lewis is at crunch time Lewis is piecing everything together a little bit better but Max has been really really good at when the car's absolutely on form he's on par he wins he dominates when the when Red Bull's got a little bit of a deficit Christian Horner likes to say that the Red Bull's basically nowhere near as good as Mercedes and this is all down to Max when there's a little deficit I don't believe it's ever as big as that Max has done a fantastic job at he has been able to make the difference. The win in the USA, I think, is one of the greatest wins of his his young career. Uh, that was fantastic. Lewis and the Mercedes was clearly quicker as a package, but Max held on brilliantly and, and, and won the race. So uh, it's all going to come down to which of the teams absolutely nails it, gets the, gets the setup absolutely right for qualifying, and then which of the two drivers at crunch time delivers. Because in that situation, if Max has got a faster car or slower car, it doesn't matter if he does what he did in in Saudi Arabia and puts it in the wall at the final corner. So, and it doesn't matter for for, for Lewis um, if the Mercedes has got the edge, but they have one of their days where they, they can't switch the tyres on or, or something like that. So, it's going to come down to absolute fine margins. Momentum says it's with Lewis. Balance of the season says I'm an idiot for even suggesting either of them are favourites. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be close, isn't it, Mark? And when we look at the Abu Dhabi circuit and the relative performance of the cars, do you think it favours one or the other? The likely conditions plays to the to the strengths enough to swing it one way or the other if you had a choice of either of those two cars? I think um, you could look at it and, and say, yeah, sector one and two look like more Mercedes territory and sector three looks more like Red Bull territory. And uh, will the advantage of sector three be as much as the advantage in sector one? But we've seen already... This season, how the slightest little thing can completely change uh, the, the overall outcome because they're so closely matched. I, I don't think going in, I think get, taking all the lessons that we've learned in the, the previous races, no, I don't think there is a, a an obvious favourite. And, you know, you know, Scott referenced form and momentum, um, but we've seen that form and momentum suddenly switch so many times this year. 
um, and it looks like it's been going to go one way, and then it suddenly <clears throat> just inverts and goes the other way. Um, also, I'll reference and what um, Christian Horner was saying about um, believing Max is making up the deficit. I was quite surprised at that because it's, um, in one hand, it's it's complimenting the driver, but on the other hand, it's um, it's not a very uh, I don't know. I wonder what the 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 guys in the aerodynamics department think about that comment. I wonder what the Honda guys think about that comment, and. Um, I think you have to take everything that Christian and Toto Wolf say, especially at this late stage in the season, um, with a pinch of salt because there's a very strong propaganda element to it. And, uh, yeah, I'm not at all convinced that uh, what we're seeing is Max dragging a car that's not as quick to to make the difference. I, I think the two drivers are operating near as damn at the same level and that, on some occasions, the Mercedes is faster, and on other days, the, the Red Bull's faster. And um, if you look into detail at the the example that Christian cited in Austin, where he claims that the um, the Red Bull wasn't the the faster car there um, on race day, it absolutely was because it switched its tyres on better. It may not have inherently been better, and if you put all the ultimate uh, mini sector times together, it may not have been the fastest car. But in the actual uh, crucial moment and it, when it matters the car that switches its tires on being faster is the faster car it doesn't matter if if, if it's you know inherently a, um if one car's inherently mechanically or aerodynamically superior if it can't switch the tires on it doesn't matter and so yeah i think as there's a, there's a lot of um propaganda around at the moment just as there's the two camps you know try and play the psychological um Game with the other, and so it's it's all just part of this this battle that um, that's been building up to this fantastic crescendo. I, I would have said that it would it would have been fair for Horner to say something like, "On the balance of the season, Mercedes has had a faster car more often than we've had a faster car," because especially in the second half of the year, it does seem that there have been more of those brilliant weekends for for mercedes than, than red bull but even in the second half of the year you still had like zandvoort and, and mexico where where red bull and verstappen has just looked outright the the, the quickest package so uh, yeah i just felt like this i completely agree with what mark's saying about it doesn't seem to have done justice to the um to to, to all of the people at red bull racing who have put together this car and honda as well that, that there, there have been plenty of events this this year where the Red Bull has absolutely been the the car to have and you could reflect on 2021 as a whole and if you wanted to break it down into exact numbers you I think you may well conclude that it it wasn't quite 50-50 I would suspect there will probably by by the end of this weekend will have been more races where the Mercedes was the faster car but it doesn't mean that in those other races it, it doesn't mean that in those races sorry that the Red Bull was nowhere and Max was utterly heroic in 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 pulling it onto the Mercedes level it just means that we're talking I think tiny margins either way and ultimately by the end of it even in those off weekends where it hasn't been the fastest car it's still been a car that has been able to fight for the victory and and vice versa so I don't really think either driver or team could get to the end of this weekend and contend they didn't have an opportunity to win the world championship because both cars have clearly been good enough to do so and because it's been so close and this started right from the off in Bahrain 
two drivers going at it, two teams going at it on and off track. I think everyone involved is pretty fried by this. 22 races, it's been a long season, travel's still a bit awkward with COVID, so there's still difficulties that make it harder than normal. And just having it so relentless week after week and flexi-wing controversies and arguments about pit stop technology and all these things, who's doing something weird with the engine oh where's that straight line speed come from all these accusations requests to review after incidents it's just i think it's drained people i think we're almost at the point where you've got christian horner and toto wolf who are constantly having to hold court on these things and i think half the time they almost don't know what they're saying because they've, they've been pushed so far and they're just so entrenched in their positions so certain that they are the righteous winners and the drivers i think the same as well that's just how the competitive animal thinks in this case that they're just always running on empty and that's why there's such anticipation here because there's a feeling of anything can happen because everybody is pushed right to the limit and because even if one car or the other is the the quicker and better quicker and or better not always the same thing just as you said with with drivers there scott but i think it's going to be close enough to be within the error bars and that's where it's been for much of the season there have been some weekends where one or the other has had a clear decisive advantage but within the error bars. I'd include Saudi Arabian Grand Prix in that one because of the way that that panned out and we look how that all went. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be astonishing. Mark inevitably with what's happened this season, people are talking about the possibility of there being clashes on track, a, a title deciding collision. We've had them in the past. It would be naive given the fact we've had two proper major collisions and then everything that happened last weekend going on this year to think that that's not possible. So so what do you think of that uh, of that prospect particularly when you've got kind of Verstappen cast as the the kind of aggressive attacking upstart against the the established old hand Hamilton, yeah, and I mean the the count back um, the situation means that if neither of them finish, the titles max maxes because of he's, he's won more races. So the, it's um, it, it is lending its the situation is lending itself in theory to um, a repeat of that sort of. Um, very niggly, potentially physical race, um, which I don't, I don't think would be a very uh, gratifying end to such a brilliant season. And um, hopefully, Max will have felt the the heat of you know potential punishment um, from how he drove in Jeddah, because as he said afterwards, well, why was it all right in Brazil but not here? Which is you know a perfectly valid point. Um, but it, it, it still, you know, we'll leave him with the question mark. Well, it wasn't all right in Jeddah, and so you know that's how it was judged. So maybe I got to be quite, you know, careful in how I go about the battle and be not quite as um, potentially physical as uh, as he was in Jeddah last week. Yeah, Jeddah, Verstappen did seem to be going for everything, which. I'm not thinking of it so much from a perspective of is he driving the right way or the wrong way. I think I said on the previous podcast that he didn't always play the percentages there, and I think probably the the attacking at every opportunity perhaps isn't the isn't always the best approach. There's a benefit to picking your moment, but of course, new race this weekend, and it could be a completely different set of circumstances. But yeah, it'd be naive to think that both drivers won't have that knowledge in their head of what happens if there is if there is contact and we should say there is a scenario where they could clash and actually it benefits Hamilton because <laughs> with an indestructible front wing that you seem to have in uh, in Saudi Arabia perhaps that extends to the rest of the car and he could have a collision and survive and Verstappen's out but 
neither driver will be going into this race thinking, oh, yeah, I can cause this accident. I don't think it's going to be a Suzuka 90 first corner type thing or a Prost turning in on centre at the chicane the year before. But these things factor into the way they play the battles, the decisions they make. And if it's close enough to be a proper kind of shooting war in the race, for want of a better word, then whichever driver I think is more intelligent with the choices they make and more incisive at the key moment is going to prevail. And that could be either, because while people could say that, as I said, in Jeddah, Verstappen was a bit too attacking, but that aggression and that decisiveness can really pay dividends as well and has over the balance of the season for him. So, yeah, really interested to see how that, uh, that works out. Kind of everybody's hoping that it is a good clean fight decided with a pass at the last corner the, the greatest world championship finale probably it would be if, if it was decided right on the uh, right at the end of the race but we have to be open to, to this possibility and of course we have to remember there is a precedent Michael Schumacher was excluded from 97 he didn't finish second in that championship for the collision with Villeneuve so there is a precedent there for action which I hope we don't have because I don't think anybody wants to be spending Christmas day in a court of appeal at uh, Place de la Concorde which is pretty much what it will come to. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a situation where we're we're all hoping it doesn't end in the obvious con- controversial way. Um, and I say that I'm not implying that means Verstappen driving up the back of Hamilton. I, I specifically, I, I just mean with a collision, whether it's one driving into the other or neither of them yielding basically and having a Monza-style clash or something. I know that we've had blame apportioned either way this season with the first two incidents and then. Verstappen obviously got punished in in Saudi Arabia so it's sort of 2-1 Verstappen on the foul count so far this year in terms of actual um punishments where where there's been contact but there are also um there are also some other ways obviously when it is literally winner takes all whoever finishes in front you're also at the mercy of the total variables of a normal grand prix what if there's a a, a well-timed or ill-timed safety car what if there's a red flag one of them hasn't stopped and they get a free tire change like we saw in Saudi Arabia what if you know, Bottas came very, very close in Saudi Arabia to repeating his Hungary trick and accidentally wiping out Verstappen entirely. So, what if there's a mistake on the first lap from someone else and there's outside interference? We're all fixated on, oh, this is going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be decided completely fairly or an anarchy between the two drivers. It's one Grand Prix. The number of variables at play in a single Grand Prix, it, everything that can happen over the course of the season doesn't matter now. It's like um, it's like we've said before. Might as well have just skipped the other twenty-one races and just come here. It would be, it'd be less of a narrative, obviously. But you just you put yourself completely at mercy to everything that can happen in one race, and that means it, Sunday is just going to be so outrageously tense from start to finish. Unless, of course, there is a Suzuka nineteen ninety moment, and it does happen immediately. And at the first corner, the championship's over. But yeah, I really, really hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah, I think we're all hoping it's uh, it's a good, clean fight. But whatever happens, it's going to be massively storied, isn't it? But Mark, do you have any sense that either of these drivers has, shall we say, a mental advantage in terms of the way they're they're handling it, in terms of the experience, or do you think that actually, in some ways, if you if you could argue as I have that maybe Verstappen didn't play the percentages brilliantly in Jeddah, that's quite a tiny reminder for him to think about how he approaches it uh, as well is there going to be any difference in the way they stand up to this pressure? Because over the course of the season, there probably hasn't been really. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think um, Jeddah was probably the, the, the one weekend in, in Max's whole season where you could look and think, I don't think you got that quite right in terms of your approach, in terms of your, um, you know, um, the psychology of it perhaps, but, but, but also just the, 
the logic of it. Um, and I think he's psychologically tough enough that he's able to just um, draw a line under that. And he won't, I, I doubt very much he's coming here thinking you know, with any sense of um, hangover from that. I, I think he's tough enough to be able to put that behind him and draw a line under it. Um, it's just question of what he has learned from it rather than um, will he be affected by it. I think Lewis was, um, to me, looked absolutely mentally drained after that race. And, and you know, he's, he's got a task there of he, he, he cannot afford not to finish. And he was desperately <laughs> trying trying to get to get past but not make contact. And uh, that was, uh, was proven quite tough. And I think he's weathered so many storms um, over the years that this is just going to be another one. Um, but I don't think either of them are um, are going to be uh, coming in here with mm, feel, feeling feeling that they're not fully prepared. I, I think they're they're both going to be absolutely uh, watertight in terms of their mental preparation. There was definitely an element of Lewis looking like someone who'd gone through just an utterly intense examination in Saudi Arabia. It did look like. Look like someone who is hanging on, not not in terms of like he wasn't in control or anything like that, but just that element of this is it for for me. This 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 is it, and so many curveballs during that Grand Prix for him, and, and at moments that caught him out, and uh, just you, yeah, you could see the weight of the moment and just the sort of time he needed to take afterwards to just really come to terms with it, and then probably just like not even like necessarily ha- just have a moment where like it's not necessarily enjoying it, it's just being relieved that that Grand Prix is over and he's come through it, um, unlike his front wing, unscathed. Um, so I think what will be interesting now is to see how Hamilton handles this weekend when he's completely on or almost completely on a level playing field. Obviously, he still does have the advantage of the count back favoring Verstappen, so he knows that they can't both retire because then then Max is champion. But for the first time, Lewis isn't, for a few races, Lewis isn't chasing a points deficit. And I, I do feel like, especially from Brazil onwards, I feel like that back against the wall, me against the world, I've got to come from behind here, This I am the underdog, has really spurred him on and it's taken him to like fantastic heights with his performance. I'm not saying that Lewis needs that to be at a great level at all. I just think it's helped over the last few weeks. Now, a bit more equal, he goes in arguably the favourite because of momentum and the stuff we talked about earlier. So how will he handle that? I have a suspicion he'll handle it extremely well because he's an incredibly good racing driver. But there is just that tiny role shift. Max has been the the hunted Lewis the Hunter the last few weeks and now winner takes all. Who knows what's going to happen? It's just a tiny shift in dynamic. It's come down to such fine margins already. Who's to say that isn't going to be something that makes a difference this weekend? Well, that's the thing. You can't look at either driver, either team, and say there's kind of a decisive weakness that's going to make the difference there. And they could end up, just as they've been all season, so close that it will come down to either one key moment and who excels in that key moment, or it could, as you say, Scott, come down to a complete piece of fortune it could be well then Nikita Mazepin picks up a puncture at an inconvenient moment and has to pull over and there's a safety car or whatever you know something that 
is a total crapshoot. Like when um, it was the, the the irony being that George Russell lost his first win in Formula One on his Mercedes outing because of his standing at Williams, Jack Aitken having an off, like triggering that sequence of events. You just never know. There could be some really twisted bit of irony or something that decides this title fight. We really at the are at the mercy of such tiny variables. It's a little bit like uh, Russell again piling into Bottas at, uh, at Imola and causing the stoppage that gave Hamilton, Hamilton yeah. the, the red flag and got, got him his lap back and allowed him to finish second. So, But there have been so many things this season. I, I keep seeing people on social media saying, oh, well, if this hadn't happened in this race, X would have been rightfully ahead. But there have been so many things. It's a 22-race season, plus there have been three sprint races. So 22 races, 22 qualifying sessions, three sprint races. All of that will decide this championship, not one incident here or there. Yeah, there are swings of luck here and there they're all swings of luck aren't equal but overall it will come down to to the accumulation of, of of the whole season which is what makes it so fantastic one interesting factor from Abu Dhabi people won't be that excited about the fact that it is the Yas Marina circuit because historically it's not a, a stunningly good circuit doesn't produce good races but we do mark have a few differences here don't we they've taken out the first chicane that uh, that hairpin after the first chicane as was has been modified We've got now a five-degree banked fifth-gear left-hander at the end of the second back straight, and they've also opened up some of the corners under the uh, under the hotel, so the the sort of right, left, left, and then also the penultimate corner has been opened up. One of the aims for that is to reduce the rear tyre overheating as well, so that's Driven International who've done the work. Green Chandok, friend of the podcast, has played a part in those modifications. Do we think those will have much of an impact on what happens this weekend, and do those changes make any difference to the balance of power for the top two? Uh, they just might, because, it, as I was saying before, the, such small margins tend to turn it between the two cars on a weekend. And um, you would say if there's um, been a change made which uh, reduces the um, stress on the rear tyres, um, Mercedes will probably be quite relieved about that because that's um, its area of, of weakness in terms of tyres. Red Bull's area of weakness in terms of tyres is, is usually the, the the fronts, getting the fronts to last um, long enough, and depends on what the circuit layout is, which of those two things comes into play. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I like the look of the changes. I think it, it, it's a, probably going to be a, a, an improvement, but it, it's whether it'll be a crucial enough one to um, make, it a, make Abu Dhabi a... Uh, a venue where you get lots of um, overtaken and good racing. I, I'm not so sure about that, but I think these are um, better. Gives the place a nicer flow by the look of it. Um, but whether it would change the outcome, yeah, who, who knows? It, it just might. Yeah, anything that changes anything in such a tight battle can can be the the, the key thing. I, I think they've done a pretty good job with their circuit modifications. They might not look dramatic, but they've targeted specific areas of objectives and they've managed to make a tangible difference within a vast amount of constraints that already exist there because it had to fit in with the existing infrastructure and, you know, not make the marina wall fall in and things like that. So there's all all sorts of uh, engineering challenges there. So, uh, yeah, that, that'll make it interesting. Do we think the number two driver, Scott, can make any difference or are Bottas and Hamilton, Bottas or are Bottas and Perez just going to be too far out of the picture to be relevant given the top two just keep pushing each other on and disappearing up the road? If they start first and second, then Hamilton and Verstappen, whichever order they're qualifying, are going to just disappear. That's what they've been doing all year. And Bottas and Perez, I don't think, will be able to live with them. Where I think they can have an impact, uh, I like Checo, but we know that qualifying is not his strong suit. Um, I think in all likelihood, it's more likely that the 
Mercedes will have a bit of an advantage than, than than the Red Bull. I'm just basing that on the last few races and basing it also on the fact that even when the Red Bull does seem to have an advantage, Perez doesn't really seem to get in amongst it, especially not with with Hamilton. So the likeliest outcome, I think, in terms of the number twos interfering is going to be the Mercedes being quick and Bottas nailing it in qualifying and splitting Hamilton and Verstappen. I feel like that's the only real way they're going to have a say is if they're not, if the is if one of the number two drivers gets ahead of a title contender in qualifying otherwise yeah it'll just be um bye guys see you at the end of the race for the podium for whichever guys are distant third <laughs> yeah and it's not likely to be a race of enough strategic complexity really for their presence a little bit back down the road to, to have an impact is it no no and also because of the winner takes all nature of this race it, 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 it's even less so you know there's no complication on who takes the fastest lap and who doesn't is not none of that you can forget all that it's just Whichever one beats the other one wins the championship, and that's it. It's as simple as that. So yeah, strategically, it's it's not unless there's some random factors come in. It's not likely to be that complicated. Yeah, there's always the possibility one of those chaos factors might play a part. But yeah, it's hard to see that in the normal uh, the normal run of things. But we should say, Scott, the constructors' championship is still up for grabs. Twenty eight point lead for Mercedes, though. Do you think Mercedes are just going to largely not think about that and just assume that's going to take care of itself? Because even if Red Bull have a one two there. Mercedes can just pick up a third or whatever, something like that, if my mental arithmetic is right, and, and they're home and free. Yeah, well, I think you just look at it, and unless I'm missing an obvious scenario off the top of my head, like the the, the primary goal is going to be get Lewis the Drivers' Championship, and if they do that, then they'll win the Constructors, won't they? Because the, on, the only way that doesn't happen is obviously like Lewis has to outscore Max this weekend, which therefore by definition means that the maximum Perez can take out of Hamilton or like Perez alone can take out of Mercedes is going to be what 25 points which isn't going to be enough is it especially when you've got Bottas who's presumably going to pick up some points so yeah I just think you take care of the primary goal and the secondary goal take care of itself I just had to correct my mental arithmetic because I think a one-two for Red Bull with a Mercedes third puts some level on points which I think would give it to to Red Bull but even so even a Red Bull walkover isn't necessarily going to be be enough and yeah, the Constructors' Championship, as people say, is really important to the teams. But I think this weekend is going to be all about uh, the Drivers' Championship, uh, very, very, uh, very much so. Any of the other things that are up up for grabs, grabbing people's attention? There's a battle for fifth in the Drivers' Championship between Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc, and Carlos Sainz. I mean, it's uh, it, it's very minor compared to the stakes at the stakes at the front. What do you reckon, Scott? Anyone? Uh, are you particularly bothered about that? Do you think the drivers care? Uh, if the drivers don't care, I struggle to care. To be completely honest, I mean, the thing is that. The drivers in that in that fight, the, I I know what the drivers will say. The person who's about to get fifth is going to say that it does mean something because it means that they've been better than the rest, they've had a great season. And the two that don't finish fifth will just say, if I'm not first, I don't care if I'm fifth, sixth or seventh. That's how it will go. And all three of them will change their answer depending on whether or not they do finish fifth. That's that's how I see it. Yeah, that's pretty much the reality. Charlotte Clare's on 158, Landon Norris on 154, Carlos Sainz on 149.5. So that'll just be a little little subplot to keep an eye on. But that, that's the only real other championship thing that's at stake. Vague chance Alpha Tauri could overhaul Alpine in the battle for fifth. But again, it's the battle for fifth. And it's pretty unlikely given how big the uh, the gap is there. So yeah, this is all about the, those top two in the championship. But well, these are rare, these, these last round deciders. It's always brilliant to be on the ground for them. We've had them in Abu Dhabi before, into Lagos, Suzuka. Just in terms of how eagerly anticipated this one is, this is... It's probably the best, the best one, the most anticipation going into one in the time I've been covering Formula One, simply because it is that winner's winner takes all element. There's just so much at stake. Yeah, it is. It's um, 
and it also feels historically significant as well, doesn't it? Because you know the years and years of success that Lewis has had, and the establishing of all the breaking of all the records, and you know even during the the latter years of that, you were always thinking, if Max gets himself in a car that can take that one on, it's going to be very interesting to see where he's at. And this 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 season has um, given us uh, some of the answers, and then this race will, will give us the final answer. It feels a bit like chapter one, doesn't it, in Hamilton versus Verstappen? We don't know how many chapters there are going to be. It might just be only only a few, but this feels like part of a wider kind of epic battle. I think it's just great. It's just great to see it. Yeah, exactly that. And Scott, this is I think the first title decider in F one you've uh, you've covered. You were there for the Formula E Battersea Madness uh, a, a few years ago. Are you are you kind of buying into the uh, to the hype and the drama, or are you just waiting to get the sort of Thursday out of the way when there's going to be? Obviously, you've got Hamilton and Verstappen together in a press conference, and on Friday, funnily enough, we've got Wolf and Horner, the the FIA's random press conference draw machine, obviously working in its uh, in its most uninfluenced uh, form. There, so there's going to be a lot of kind of pain to go through before the proper stuff happens, isn't there? It's all the pantomime stuff that we've had to put up with off on the side this year. Sometimes it's interesting, and, and it is a valid part of the story. I do think it's, I do think it is entertaining to a degree, but I also know that a lot of fans are kind of sick of it as well the Horner Wolf thing is probably going to be more entertaining than the than the Verstappen Hamilton thing just because I think in all likelihood I think Lewis and Max are going to be focused enough to not like get distracted by a bit of mud slinging or mind games or anything like that but Wolf and, Hor- and, and Horner can't help themselves can they I know how that Friday press is going to go Wolf's going to go in there he's going to try and be the bigger person because he likes to have the moral high ground and he, he he doesn't want to engage in that stuff. Horner's going to go in there and he's a little bit on edge. He's going to be sneaking in little comments every now and again. Then Wolf will say something that's not necessarily intended as a dig, but Horner will be like, oh, I'm not going to let that slide. And then as soon as that happens, Wolf's going to just not help. He won't be able to help himself. He'll be goaded into retaliating and we'll just have this little pantomime show. But once we get through all of that, Thursday and Friday, we get down to the stuff that matters. And yes, I'm super excited for that. You mentioned the Battersea finale that I was in for Formula E a few years ago. I have been thinking about that for weeks. Just like, I really hope it doesn't come down to that. I I hope that in that situation, it I I hate I hated covering it. I, I didn't enjoy it. It was a fantastically controversial story, but they're not of that. I don't find them fun to get involved with. Sort of stomach sinks a little bit because I want it to be decided fairly. And I don't. And there's going to be all manner of aggro around it if either driver does anything to try and win it the wrong way this weekend so I, I just hope it's done in the proper way nice and sporting people are going to say oh yeah but it can't because of what happened at Silverstone or, or something like this nonsense that was ages ago we've had a we've had a clean fight since then most of the time anyway so let's just have a clean one this weekend and settle it the right way yeah the Battersea Formula E finale of course was Lucas Degrassi and Sebastian Buemi in the barrier at the first corner yeah Lucas um, breaking I believe it was after his breaking point on his qualifying lap uh, into the first corner he said that he if I remember correctly I think he felt that was his only chance to overtake Seba- uh, Sebastian in 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 the race because the Renault Edams was the quicker package uh, and he claims he was just sending it down the inside and got it wrong and torpedoed into Buemi other people disagree but I'll leave it at that yeah that was certainly a very uh, a very celebrated and controversial one but I, th- I think we're hoping it will be a, a clean one this weekend but I don't think we're necessarily going to bet the farm on 
on it not being controversial, but there's going to be plenty of talk, plenty of pantomime going on in the build-up to the weekend. But come the end of Q3, those final runs that's going to decide pole position, that's when it's going to get really intense. It's going to be fantastic. And whatever happens at Yas Marina, it's going to be a title decider for the ages, isn't it? Either Max Verstappen's first world championship or Lewis Hamilton's eighth. We'll be bringing you all the action from the weekend on the race.com. And as always, we'll be back soon with everything you need to know from the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. (laughs) 